Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, joined by my main man, who is uh, on summer vacation, working a real job. <laughs> Welcome back <laughs> yeah. to everybody's favorite college basketball writer, my main man, Justin Berg. Justin, what is going on, brother? Wow, I appreciate that. That's a, that's a great intro from you there is that i'm warmed up like you're you're working on it yeah i'm warmed up these guests these guests on your show you you try to butter them up a little bit right right that's how it works you gotta (laughs) you gotta make them feel real good about themselves when you come in uh i'm butter up buttered up after three hours on the radio already today longer than three hours because then i went back and uh i filled in for mo egger today on 1530 thanks to the guys at iheart for allowing me to do that and then I was on with Mo on WLW, and now we are recording this. So there is going to be a lot of talking, a lot of hearing from me uh, that some of you, I'm sure, aren't very fond of. But you're going to have to deal with it anyway. Um, I, you know, it's, it's been an eventful six weeks. Uh, Berg and I have talked about doing the podcast at a couple different times, but it just it was so much uncertainty. Um, it, it felt like let's let things get situated. Let's. Let's wait until things are settled so we can talk about things as they are, uh, talk about things like with some certainty to them. Uh, and I think we have reached that point. We went from um, a full roster to wondering if they were going to be able to run four on four in practice to now we're back at a full roster. So uh, the roller coaster ride has been very, very real. Uh, but John Brandon has his team in place for the 2019-2020 season. He has uh, added pieces for beyond that time. Um, he has done a lot of work over the past couple weeks, and especially over the last seven days. If you, you go back to last Monday right around 1 o'clock when Jaron Cumberland announced that he was going to be returning to the Cincinnati Bearcats, we will get into each individual uh, thing that has happened, each individual edition, uh, as we go through this podcast. But overall, Berg, um, you have kind of been on the outside uh, as you're you're dealing with real life. We have talked a couple times. You've called, and uh, I have helped you through uh, what was going on, and, and gave you some updates on things as you were uh, as you were tending to uh, to other business. I, by the way, I think I've got some business for you. Okay. Uh, Justin Williams, uh, who is, uh, your neighbor, um, he was on with me on Mo today and he was expecting this spring and summer to have, uh, the, the free time available to do some landscaping work in his yard. And because of everything that has gone on, that landscaping work has not been finished. Uh, and I was like, Hey man, I know a guy. And he was <laughs> yeah, like, well, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He, so he actually, I, yeah, I was working on a, a house right down the street from him about three weeks ago, and I told him, and he was going for a little jog in the morning. I said, why don't you stop over and, uh, and, and give me some updates on what's happening? So I got some knowledge from him. I think that was about maybe a month ago. But that was like when Nasir Brooks was thinking about leaving, and it sounded like he was going to leave. And this was way before any of the stuff that just happened the past week. But yeah, I mean... I mean, yeah, we're, we're always, uh, we'll always look at any yard and, and give it our best shot. He, he wants, he wants the, uh, the, the Bearcat discount though. So you, you guys are going to have to negotiate that. Oh, wow. Yeah. To... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, oh Berg's pretty tough negotiator. I, I heard, I've heard him a couple times negotiating with folks and 
There ain't a whole lot of Bearcat discount that uh, that, that happens yeah, you, in the Berg landscape business. Uh, what, all you heard me was trying to negotiate with Phil Cook that time uh, before the tournament game when I was already on edge as it was <laughs> because I knew what was probably coming. You um, were on edge that day. There is no question about that. Yeah, and so then Cook starts uh, asking me about you know how much it would cost to work in his yard. I'm like, dude, I, I got to see it first and – I'm not going to give you a discount. Are you crazy? You know, it's hard work, buddy. So, uh, yeah, that, I think that might be the one time you heard because <laughs> I wasn't backing down that day. Yeah. <laughs> From anything. Right, well, yeah. But anyway. Exactly. Right, yeah. Let, okay. Let's get into it, though. Uh, it, yeah. As an overview, uh, what have been your uh, thoughts, emotions? Uh, take me through the, the journey that has been Justin Berg kind of watching this from above and, and seeing everything play out. Well, the coaching search, if we want to go all the way back to that, and I, I really, um, the more that I learned about John Brandon, the more I wanted him to be the head coach at Cincinnati, and then when he became the head coach at Cincinnati, I was happy, and when I saw his press conference, I was happier. I, I, I was, I, I guess you could say I was sky high that day. Just, um, it, it, sometimes you need a change, sometimes you need a new feel, it seems like that's what's going to happen. So... But then from there, it was, okay, who's going to stay? Who's going to leave? It was all of that business. And that's where I was leaning on you for all of your insider knowledge. And it was it was a bit of a roller coaster, right? I mean, you, I don't want this guy to leave. I, don't, I want that guy to stay. And then you you know, you don't know about Jaron. So at, at times, over the past few weeks, it looked like, as you said, like, who the hell are they going to have on this team? And how many – are they going to go 500? Because a lot of times when a coach takes over, there's a lot of turnover, and nobody expects anything that first year, right. especially in a situation like this. So, I, to be honest with you, at that point, I just was said, you know what? Okay, whatever it is, it is. I just want to see something new. That's no disrespect to the past coach, the other coach before that. Just let's just see a different kind of Bearcat basketball. See what it is. And so it seems like that is what. Uh, Mr. Brandon is trying to bring to Clifton to Fifth Third Arena based on all this stuff that's happening. So he wants to find shooters, uh, number one. And um, But at this point, he really he can't be as choosy. He's just trying to find bodies uh, late in the game, right? So um, the first thing he does is he is able to add the kid from Moeller, which is, you know, that doesn't happen very often at UC. So that was fun. Um, six foot five kid, Jeremiah Davenport. We'll get to him. And then, um, but then, yeah, the, the, when Cumberland decided to come back, it was like, whoa, okay, here we go. Plus, does that mean that his cousin is going to come too? Because that was like the original rumor that was going around. And I know you, how much you love those rumors. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I caught wind of it like in another uh, stratosphere from anything that you've told me, but just somebody who I guess would, you would think would know said that like four weeks ago. So then when it when Cumberland announced, it was like, all right, now everyone wants to know about Javen. And but that was actually strangely enough, that was the final piece of the whole thing, which was was that yesterday that he committed? Cumberland was this morning today. Oh, Javen was this morning. OK. Yeah. OK. Well, oh. he he committed yesterday and he announced it today. There you go. OK. So, yeah, but I think it's been I think it's been um, mostly exciting. I mean, I, I just uh, I, I think all these things that are happening and then you're, 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 because, because, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, somewhat of a clean slate, 
you know, the last few years have been disappointing. Let's not, I mean, not overall, but just the way the seasons have ended and, and things like that. And so I think just everyone who's a fan at heart is like, okay, I, I, how do we not be as disappointed anymore? And, and usually the answer to that is like, just try something different. Um, so yeah, that's the deal. I mean, I, I like what I'm hearing. I like what I'm seeing. I like the, the, um, the types of players and the, the, you know, just how hard this guy's working and what he's trying to build. And I know you have to be very patient with this, but you know, I mean, you have to say in the first, when was he, when was he hired six weeks ago? Right around six weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to give him a pretty high grade for putting together a roster in six weeks. Now, of course we don't know if he's, you know, he has three grad transfers, who knows? Right. And they're all, um, you know, I guess you'd say from, from mid majors or even like lower mid lower major type of teams. So who knows what that even means. But, um, I think the, the thing that was, um, interesting was, and, and I was wondering, I, I don't know if anyone, I didn't even bring this up to you cause I just, it just like dawned on me, but this kid, uh, Micah Adams woods was originally committed to Nebraska. Yes. And then, the, so the, was, the Nebraska was, was, trade. It was, a trade. was it, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, it was like just a trade. It was like, I just realized like, wait a minute, he's straight up trade Samari for Adams woods. So, um, just, you know, a lot of excitement, a lot of, a lot of things happening. And, um, I'm, I'm just like, I'm way more excited for this coming season than I was, um, even just a few weeks ago. Now that the roster is full and there's just, you got two Cumberlands and yeah, I think you have the potential for, um, a very guard heavy rotation, um, faster pace, all that good stuff. So yeah, let's go. I'm ready to go. All right, let's uh, let's take it back, and we'll we'll go one by one um, over the past seven, eight days, however you want to consider it. Um, obviously, this whole thing, and it's becoming more and more obvious as we went throughout this week. Everything hinged on Jaron. Um, Jaron comes back, and this thing looks entirely different. Is what everybody thought, right? Right. Well, well guess what? Jaron came back, and instantly everything started falling into place. That was the domino. That was, you know, does Cincinnati have their stud? Do they have their AAC conference player of the year, their potential, you know, all American type guy. And once Jerem was back in the fold, everything kind of started falling into place. And, and just for this fan base, for this program to know he was back, was kind of that first sigh of relief of all right, it's been a little bumpy. We we've taken maybe some more hits than people expected, uh, even though people knew the hits were going to come. We've taken maybe a few more than people expected, but now we've got Jaron, and now the 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 program stabilizes a little bit with his return. Um, what were you thinking instantly when you, I mean, you, you've got an article on Bearcat journal about it, but what were you thinking instantly when, when Cumberland returns? Just that, yeah, next year's still, there's a still, there's still a chance for something. I think that's, you go from thinking if he's gone, I mean, who's the, who's the lead, who's the lead artist on the squad next year. Um, you, you end up relying on some newcomers, some some grad transfers. You've got Trayvon, you've got Keith Williams still, and then you've got a bunch of guys who have never really contributed anything because you lose the two seniors. So yeah, I mean, you go you go from like maybe they'll be 500 to like wait, maybe they can compete and get to the NCAA tournament again. That's a huge turnaround. That's how important he is. And I mean, that goes without saying. 
but um, it, it just was – it was like, okay, here we are. We're, we're still in this. Now, of course, that means that – it only means that for one year because who knows right. what's happening after that. I mean, you know, as good as uh, as Adams Woods looks and, and, and as nice of a, a player as Jeremiah Davenport appears to be or probably will become, I mean, you don't know that those are the type of guys that are going to lead you into the next era. But either way – you get your dog back. You're in, you're, you know, you're in the race, and you know, in in, in a in the American Conference, which there's teams that are on the come up. I mean, you got to have somebody um, that can lead you, and that's been there. So now you now you have like your two staples inside outside with with Trayvon and and Jaron, and then you've got Keith who who really emerged last year. So now you kind of have like your 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 big three, as they say, and then you just try to fill in around them, and hope hopefully some of the guys who didn't play a lot last year, like Diara can can contribute and then you know you know maybe you'll get a little bit from these grad transfers and it'll all add up to like you know some nice wins all right so then that happens on monday uh we get a couple day break and i believe everything went thursday friday sunday monday for the next the four guys added in five days which uh that's probably the only time you're ever gonna the only time i remember anything close was Jaron, Kyle, and I think one other were in a, a quick rapid fire. And then I know Troy and Kevin Johnson were pretty quick back-to-back uh, as well. But four guys in five days. Uh, it yeah. started started with Mike Adams-Woods, three freshman from uh, the Syracuse area, was originally committed to Nebraska, like I said, or like you said. Um, and then the the uh, the one for one trade on decommitments between Nebraska and Cincinnati. Um, what have you thought when you? I know you're you, you like to go back and you like to study up on guys, watch as much as you can in terms of highlights. Which, as we know, don't tell you everything, but they give you a, you know you can you can get an idea if you know what you're looking for. Um, what have you seen from Mike Adams Woods uh, in, in terms of how you think he can help? Yeah, I just again, it's just highlights, and, and I think a lot of it was from the UIBL or, or the. It looked like it was uh, was some of it from that Georgia tournament that I went to that time. The Peach Jam, it like the same gym. Yeah, no, no, the one that no, I no, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They they play one there every year too. Okay, because it just I just like the way that he attacks the hole, and he's left-handed, so you know you you. You initially think of a little bit like Kane Broom. He's, he's a couple inches taller. He's 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 very slender. Um, he has a, he kind of has like a good catch and shoot three point shot, but um, he seems like a very aggressive guard um, getting downhill. At least just from what the the film shows, and uh, it sounds like his nickname might be Shoestring, which is pretty cool. If that's that's what the guy who was videotaping the, Shoey. his highlights yeah, said. Shoey is is his Shoey? Twitter nickname. Shoey. Okay. Well, uh, the, guy, the guy kept going yeah. shoe string. I mean, so that's like a, a there was a guy in a, in a hip hop group uh, called the Dayton family. There was a guy named Shoestring. I used to like them, but uh, yeah. So I mean, he, he seems like he he's a downhill kind of kid, but it looks like his shots decent. I mean, I don't, you know, there's really not a lot of stats on him. Um, he did have 32 in a game. He was playing at this like New Hampshire school, um, and for his. Uh, for what is his prep year, right? Was that this yeah. past year? He played in and, the NEPSAC, which is basically the number one high school basketball league in the country. It's all those big New England prep schools, Brewster yeah. Academy, 
New Hampton. Um, that's it's big time East Coast basketball. So how does a guy like that from New York? New Hampton, he's up in the now he's up in like New England playing. How does he end up first of all committing to Nebraska, and then now how is he ending up at Cincinnati, so far away from where he's from? You would think that somebody up in that area would would be on him, but maybe is he just undersized? Um, at for, um, for an off guard, or I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe a little. I mean, at six three, I don't think that's really too bad for an off guard in college basketball. I mean, maybe you want him more in the six four six five range, but yeah, you know, he, it, that's really only a problem if you know they're six foot or below. Uh, I I don't know. I, I don't know if it was a matter of you know he was on a really good City Rocks AAU team. Um, maybe he just blended in. Again, a lot of this stuff is hard for me to say because I wasn't out on the road last summer. Um, and that's usually where, you know, you, you get a better feel for all those things. Um, it's a good question. I mean, one thing yeah. we've seen, like, I thought Tim Miles was always a pretty good evaluator of talent at Nebraska um, and really got the most out of what he could there because, you know, let's face it, Nebraska's not a uh, a blossoming college power. you got to kind of – pick your spots and, and find guys that you think fit your system and find guys that you think, you know, maybe are a little undervalued. Uh, and, and miles obviously thought that with this kid. So, um, yeah, I'm not really sure why we didn't see more from the East coast schools on him. Maybe it's also just being from Syracuse. That's kind of, I think a lot of times, and I've seen this on, on multiple occasions when you're from one of the, the big college towns, right? I think there's a feeling of, well, you know, he's from Syracuse, and if Syracuse doesn't want him, why do we? Right. And that's not really always a great indicator of things. It could be a matter of, you know, Syracuse was filled at the at his roster spots, or, you know, they, they didn't know that he would fit in the zone, or, or whatever the case may be. But I, I don't know. I, I've seen that quite a bit, though. I've seen it a lot in, um, like, in Kentucky. When, you know, you hear a kid that, that's pretty good from the state of Kentucky and the general thought is, well, if he's not going to Kentucky or Louisville, why do we want him? Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you hear that quite a bit. Like a kid from Columbus, why isn't he going to Ohio State? Um, so I think, you know, more than anything, that might be what, have, what hurt the kid is, you know, that, that being from Syracuse and not getting a Syracuse offer, it can jump up and bite you. And he's... He's six three, but did you tell me he has a six seven wingspan? Six seven wingspan is what I've heard. Yeah. Okay. And he's he's got to be the first Bearcat Hooper ever named Micah, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I I think I would have liked Mika a little bit better. Yeah. That pronunciation, maybe I'll have to work on that and see if I can get him to change the pronunciation of his name. Uh, <laughs> but I still like Micah. I, but I yeah. I don't recall it's a cool. Micah M I K A ever before. And I don't remember. Has there been a a Bearcat Hooper that had a hyphenated last name? That's been happening a lot more lately in in the world of humans. And um, yeah, it's a lot more common now. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I can't think of. I can't think of the one that the Bearcats have had. Okay, so either way, lefty attacks the hole, and um, three star according to twenty four seven Sports, three star prospect. But I think he was like the number six shooting guard in in the state of New York. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, he. He projects probably as a guy that will give you some some minutes this year, right? And 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 he you know he may have some games where he might get double figures, but I think he'll probably be inconsistent, just like most freshmen. And then down the road, he could be a good player, and he may like you. I think you told me 
sort of like Dion Dixon with how he was an off guard, but he also at times would run the point or at least just be the guy kind of a secondary ball top. handler. Yeah. Yeah. Secondary ball handler. That's neat. That's a much more succinct way of saying what I just said. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about a guy that, that was, uh, you know, worthy of a big 10 scholarship. I mean, because if, if you look at a lot of these guys here, I mean, Jeremy, you know, that we had, we hadn't talked about him cause it wasn't in the last week, but you know, Jeremiah Davenport was originally, committed to Wright State, so that's not a major, you know, conference. And then well, he was the, the difference with him is if Cincinnati didn't get involved when they did, he was one or two days away from committing to Virginia Tech. Oh, he had already set May six was his commitment date. He had officially visited Virginia Tech. He was going to Virginia Tech, and then Brandon uh, came in and got more heavily involved. He pushed back his commitment date made an official to Cincinnati and committed on his visit. So he wow. was he was going to commit to Virginia Tech. Okay, and also, I didn't know that. Also with okay. Micah, the other place he visited was Minnesota. Right, that's another thing, yeah. And Minnesota, I know, um, especially right when they found out Amir Coffey was staying in the NBA draft, they, they pushed really – they were pushing very hard for a commitment – and then they found out that Micah was going to commit to Cincinnati, and they pushed even harder for a commitment, uh, and and really, you know, tried to throw a monkey wrench in that plan. Uh, but fortunately, he had built a really good relationship with with the Cincinnati staff, and as it ended up, uh, he ended up becoming a Bearcat. I believe he got here today, uh, reported today to start his Bearcat career. Nice. Okay. Well, shoot. That's two guys that were had interest of, of um, power five or power six leagues. So there you go. That's a good start. Um, just real quick for Jeremiah Davenport, I was trying to come up with comparisons. And uh, for a UC comparison, I have Alvin Mitchell from the Cronin era, but hopefully not as loco. <laughs> Man, Alvin Mitchell's depressing because Alvin Mitchell could play. Like, I know. He could shoot it, and he had some sneaky athleticism. Great size, a good legit six five, big, yeah. strong body. Like, if he could have held it together, he could play. Unfortunately, that kid had had a rough life before he got to Cincinnati, and and that continued uh, after his Cincinnati career. I think took nine mm. bullets, got shot nine times, and lived. Whoa! Uh, yeah, uh, got into an argument. He was at a, I think, a junior college in West Virginia. Got into an argument with somebody at a at like a little mom and pop store, um, and then when he walked out of the mom and pop store, the guy filled him up with nine bullets, and uh, he survived. So, jeez, yeah, that, that, that's quite an aside there. I, did, I didn't know we were going to go down that road. <laughs> I, I hope he's doing Not to well. Laugh at it, but yeah, he, no. He, from yeah, what I've heard, he's he, doing well, and he was actually at one point he was living back in Cincinnati, I believe. Okay, because um, he. I mean, his career obviously did not pan out here, but he did help out in a win at Georgetown. Um, one of many. Um, but I think that was the first time that Cronin beat John Thompson the third after he was getting drubbed by him every time. And then uh, they ended up winning that game. And I remember Alvin Mitchell hit a couple big shots down the stretch. And I'm sure Georgetown fans were like, are you kidding me? But no, the Bearcats were not kidding them. And then they beat them like six more times. So... That'll that'll conclude that segment of all right. Let's Berg's go. Let's, let's, okay. let's go. The next one. Let's go. Chris McNeil. Yeah. Uh, well traveled young man. Started at Western Kentucky. 
did a year at JUCO, did a year at New Mexico, uh, then transferred to Tennessee Tech, was in his sit-out year uh, last year. Then Tennessee Tech had a coaching change, and he entered the transfer portal again, landed at Cincinnati. I think this one um, is a very critical piece. A veteran point guard, um, New Mexico is at a similar level, maybe one notch below where Cincinnati is in terms of league and competition, but average just under 10 points a game. It gives you kind of a, a, a steady veteran lead guard that you can put on the floor uh, and have run the show. Um, I like what I see from him uh, in, the, in the, the tape I've watched. I like him off the bounce. Um, I think he is a very – I think when we, we look back at the end of the 2019-20 season, we're going to be really happy – that John Brandon made this one happen. Uh, and this is another one almost got derailed late because when Houston lost Armani Brooks, Houston made a run at him. Whoa. And Kelvin Sampson, usually a pretty good eye, especially for guard talent. Uh, but Cincinnati was able, because of the relationship they had established, uh, that one was a Jason Gee, uh, Jason G recruit. Um, because of the relationship Cincinnati had established, they were able to hang on and hold off Houston to get maybe their top point guard target uh, on the grad transfer market. Good, because that's enough already of Houston getting these guys that UC's trying to get. It's enough already. Right. But, so, first of all, with Chris McNeil, he started at Western Kentucky, uh, one of my favorite non-UC schools. I always loved the Hilltoppers. For I don't know why. I think just... They've always had some cool players. Um, but four assists per game as uh, as a freshman at Western Kentucky in, in 28 minutes. That's solid. Um, he's a quality free throw shooter. That's always good for a lead guard. And also, um, if you ask uh, NBA scouts, they'll tell you that um, free throw shooting is a good indication of that, you know, being a good three-point shooter down the road. And this guy's obviously a veteran. My UC comparison is Chad Moore pre-back injury. Um I was a big you know, Chad Moore fan pre-back injury. Yeah, I, I, I felt bad when he had that bad back that last year, man. He just could not get up and down the floor. But he was really good at getting into the paint. This guy likes to get to the cup, um, and then and he, he can dish, obviously, four assists per game. I like I like his shot. Um, it's He's got, like, a, just a nice straight up and down jumper. Um, he can – you know, his percentages aren't great from three. But, like I said, I mean, hey, he can make his free throws, so – that's always a good indicator of outside shooting. So yeah, I mean, and and this was I think looking at the the whole grad transfer scene, I think it was it was imperative that Brandon would find a point guard. Uh, losing Jennifer, losing Broom, you can't just say, hey, you know, Jaron, now that you're back, you know, you're playing point guard for 35 minutes. It's just not, just it's not feasible. Um, you can't play point guard and be the primary scorer and do a million other things. So now what this opens up is a guy that can push the pace. Um, set up Cumberland. Cumberland can play off the ball a little more, and um, and, and it allow Brandon to play at the pace that he wants to. So yeah, like you said, I mean this is huge. I mean you, you could make the argument um, that this is the most important, at least for this season, um, of any of these five guys that were added to the roster, or six yeah. actually. I guess if you include vote. So yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. I think okay. it was a a critical critical addition. Um, they needed a point guard. And they had to get somebody that was going to 
Look, it's one thing to say, like, Jaron Cumberland is going to play some point guard. It's another thing to not have the po- a point guard, another point guard really on the roster or have Micah Adams-Woods have one freshman uh, try to take all the minutes that you don't want, you know, that, that Jaron's not playing point guard. Um, I like the idea of Jaron being a guy with the ball in his hands a lot. I don't like the idea of Jaron being your point guard for 38 minutes a game. Like, I – you want him to be at his best as a scorer. And, yes, he's a great facilitator. And, and yes, there's a lot of things he does that can help with the ball in his hand. But that's a lot different than being a point guard for 40 minutes. No and doubt, yeah. I, I just think it was a, a, a huge need, a huge addition. Yeah, and and with with the other options out there, I mean, I don't know, I didn't hear a whole lot of other names floating around that uh, that the Bearcats were in on at least from like a you know a true point guard standpoint. So yeah, I mean, when he when he popped up and started looking around at him, I was like, man, that'd be nice to have that because there's a lot of UC teams in the past you know 30 years that didn't really have a true point guard. So it looks like that's the guy, and he's got he's you know he's well traveled like you said and veteran. Um, you know, I'm sure he's been through some, you know, some adverse situations, and here he is now. He's getting a chance to, to play on a potential, uh, you know, top 25 or you know thereabouts type of team. So yeah, he's re- he'll be ready to go. So yeah, up, great up job, next, John Brandon. Up next is your favorite addition. <laughs> he he was he was added to the fold on Sunday morning, and uh, comes via. From Spain via the Val- Valparaiso University, uh, a, a seven-footer, about 285 pounds, big body. Um, J- 285? That's what I – two or 265, something like that. He, it, pretty, it says said 240 at, on Valpo's website. Did he just – 285, did, my, okay, that might be stretching it. Like two, <laughs> did he go back? He, I heard he was bigger than 240. Goody. I heard okay, he's bigger than okay. – I know he's, he was in Spain. That's why I haven't uh, – haven't had a chance to catch up with him for a story yet because he's back in Spain right now. Um, yeah. But Jay Soroya, and uh, I know this is a guy that that has Justin Berg very excited because Justin <laughs> likes the uh, the under the radar guy. Your eye drifts towards not towards the sh- not yeah not towards <laughs> the flashy things, but 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 in the other direction. But this this is one that, that I know you are super hyped about. Yeah, when I first found out, I was like, "Whoa, a seven footer from Spain!" I mean, that's just—it just seems so, you know. Pardon my pun here, but foreign for Cincinnati to have a guy from Spain. So, it, so you said he goes by J. It's not because it looked like J A U M E. It's not Hame. He goes by J. Okay, Hame, Hame is his name, but he goes by J. J A Y. All right, cool. Oh, good. Okay, well, that's easier. And I mean. You know he didn't. He doesn't play a ton of minutes, right? But for his career, five points, four rebounds, seventy-one percent free throw shooter. Um, in and as a junior, he was just a tick under three blocks per forty minutes. So, um, non-UC comparison, I'm going to go with Jonas Valanciunas, the former Raptor who was in the uh, Marcus All trade, um, simply because from the film that I've seen. Granted, it was from uh, a few years ago, but he looks like he's a guy that. Had, can pivot in the post, finish with either hand. He's not like a really a, a threat from the outside, although he did make a couple threes last year. Um, just seems like he's kind of one of those 
uh, Euro bigs that has the footwork and the touch and the either hand and the fundamental stuff. Um, and then he's seven foot. So, you know, that helps to block some shots and grab some rebounds and looks like he's a decent free throw shooter. So, um, yeah, interesting addition. I mean, you know, that was obviously the five spot. You lose Nasir Brooks. You need, you need another body there. I think a lot of people were uh, looking towards Mamadou Diara to step in and, and potentially be a guy. But, I mean, you can't be like, hey, Mamadou, you know, you first of all, you're not really a five. And, and why don't you – can you play 32 minutes a game this year? Like, right. this is not realistic. So, you bring this guy in. He's – how old is this guy, by the way? I mean, he's got to be 24 or – you would think, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I, I, have, I don't know. I, I haven't seen a copy of his birth certificate. Or what, <laughs> what's been submitted as his birth certificate? Well, um, the birth so certificate sure. would be from would be from. Uh, according to this, he's from Tortosa, Spain, which sounds, sounds like there's got to be some great great food there, great babes, yeah. everything. I'm in. Tortosa. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to. Maybe you should go over there and do a story on him. See if you can get, you know, get a, get a plane ticket I'll, over there and I'll, check I'll it out. Talk, I'll talk to the accounting department, but she's pretty tough. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's a tough sell, especially if I'm going to Spain and she's not going. I don't know that that one's going to fly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, maybe you need to you know, just say, hey, let's take a quick summer trip to Tortosa. <laughs> yeah, quick tr- <laughs> quick summer trip to Spain, in and out. <laughs> That's exactly how that works. Yeah, the the accounting department at Bearcat Journal is uh, – that's that's the boss. Let's let's keep it honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, seven foot Spaniard on the Bearcats. There you go. I, I know you're excited. And then this morning, well, yesterday uh, was was when it was the information was relayed to the University of Cincinnati, and then announced this morning, Javen Cumberland is joining his cousin Jaron. Um, the one-two punch of the Cumberland family is reunited. Uh, the last time they played together uh, in an organized setting was at Wilmington High School. Javen was a senior. Jerem was a junior. They were a top five team in the state and uh, in, in Division One, and an absolute terror of a team to play uh, for local teams. Uh I, I think with Javen, I think he has the potential to be a very good piece. Um, I don't necessarily know that he is the high-level kind of star player that Jaron is. But you know what? Is nev- no one has ever said, Justin, no one ever in the history of the sport has said, you know what? I think we're – we have a chance to be pretty good this year, but we just got too many shooters. Yeah. You know, like I think this could be a good season, but man, there's just too many shooters on this team. I, I don't know. I don't know if we had a few less shooters. I think we could really, really make something happen. Those are things that have never been said in the history of basketball. Yeah, that could be a George Carlin segment. He, he had a couple. He had a couple of those. Like you know, what's never been said. I, we can't say it on this podcast. You know, much respect, right. Dan Horde. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say it. But if, if you listen to George Carlin, you know what I'm referring to. But yeah, um, he he's only six. He's six three. So and right. people are asking how much does he look like Jaron? All that stuff. And he's a little shorter. Thirty nine percent from three as a junior at Oakland. He was seven for fourteen. Oh, was it on, on eight and a half attempts a game? Yeah. So, um, you see comparison for Rod Cobb, my boy, um, just Rod because, 
Yeah. Well, I'm just saying as far as like his ability to shoot quickly, um, he's right-handed. But I would say his form is very, and this is my non-UC comparison, is very Trajan Langdon-like on that right side of his shoulder, a very quick release, very smooth. Um, he, he'll he pull from anywhere. Uh, if Even if he's like 25 feet out, it looks like, even if he has a little bit of space, he, he's a threat to shoot it. So perfect for John Brandon's system, right? You, you know, pass, pass, yeah. pass, the extra pass. Here's Javen Cumberland stepping into a shot. Um, a 40% three-point shooter. Uh, looks like he plays with a ton of confidence. Um, that and, is and not Cumber- lacking in Cumber- the Cumberland yeah, family. I was going to say, Cumberland, that's, that's how Cumberlands operate. So, yeah, it, you only have him for the one year, but um, anyone that can shoot and spread the floor and make things um, easier for a guy like Keith Williams to drive the ball to the hole and dunk it on people is fun, and uh, and Jaron can drive as well. And so, yeah, I mean, he – and the thing with him is – and we, we talked about this off the air, but why wouldn't – like, so when, when it was kind of up in the air of whether he was going to commit or not, like, what would have been the downside for him – committing was it just potentially that he wouldn't start or maybe he didn't want to be overshadowed i mean those types of things but um don't i mean i would think he's coming here to to start i mean am i wrong i i think it depends on on how the starting lineup plays out i, I yeah. think it could go a lot of different ways and you know a lot of that is going to to be determined starting this week through summer workouts and and then into the fall uh, i think it's going to be a work in progress all the way up to you know, once the season starts, because yeah, do you go small? Do you go big? I mean, that's the interesting thing with how John Brandon has, has so quickly put this thing back together. I mean, I, I could see a starting lineup of McNeil, Jaron, Keith, Trey, and and Mamadou or or Soroya. Um, that would be more of a big lineup. Uh, I could see an even bigger lineup with. You know, maybe Jaron at the one, Javen at the two, Keith at the three, and then Trey and a big guy. I could see a small lineup with McNeil, the two Cumberlands, Williams and Scott. Yeah, that's um, what I have as my projected starters right there. That's my projected starting lineup. I think there's just a lot of different ways that that could go. Um, and a lot of that is going to be decided here over the next, you know, couple weeks and months as we get closer to the season as John Brandon gets his team on the floor and kind of figures out one, what is the best way for us to play overall? Who do I want to be on the floor when the game starts? Who do I want to be on the floor when the game ends? Do I want to have some, some consistent offense off the bench? I mean, in terms of what he was thinking, I mean, I, you know, yeah, ultimately he's ultimately he's a wing, not a point guard. Right. Right. Ultimately. You know, he's a two or three dribble guy. He is not a guy. He's a guy that'll catch, pump fake, and relocate. You know, but he's looking to do a lot of his damage out around that three point line. Yeah, he's uh, sort of like da- Danny Green a little bit, right? How he likes yeah. to catch and shoot. He may take a couple dribbles, but yeah, that's about it. Okay. Um. So did he look at it, and and maybe there was a thought process of their two wings are really good, and Jaron and Keith, and you know, and where do I fit in with that? But I think because of the flexibility and because of the way that this thing has been structured, I think you can, you know, alleviate some of those concerns just by saying, look, you know, that this is how we're going to kind of, 
this is how we're going to handle it. You know, there's a lot of minutes to spread around, and, and especially if we're playing at the tempo that, that John Brandon has talked about playing, um, that is not conducive to anyone playing 37, 38 minutes a night. Um, so I, I think that's going to be a big part of it. I, I think that would have been, if there were concerns, I think that's where it would have been is, you know, where do I fit in on the wing with Jaron and Keith? Uh, but obviously, John Brandon was able to sell his vision and say, "This is how it's going to work for us." Yeah, and and I don't know. I don't think either one of us would know this, and you might have a, a more of a, an insight into this. But but Jaron and Javen's relationship, you know, I know Javen is Javen a year older, right? So he he's um, he's the older elder statesman of the two. Yeah, and then like you wonder, um, not that it matters, but like, okay, they got together and said or Jaron must have said, you know, I'm coming back. Why don't you come play too? And then I wonder how much Jaron had to sell him on that. And if Javen was like, eh, I don't know, man, I don't want to be, you know, second fiddle or whatever the case is. Maybe I want to go have a better opportunity and maybe I don't want to put pressure on myself. Who knows? Um, it's just an interesting kind of thing. Like I'm sure, I, I'm sure our board, Justin Williams, will get deep into that whole situation. Um, you know, down the road here, as far as like what the, what their objective was with this endeavor to play together, um, other and than just to have fun and all that. Hopefully I will be, uh, talking to him here at some point in time today or tomorrow. Okay. Uh, been, been working on that. So, uh, trying to schedule a, uh, a, an interview, the, the <laughs> talking to the Cumberlands has always been, uh, they're not real big on talking about themselves. So okay. that's always made it a little – I mean, you've been around Jaron enough to know, like, if you want to talk to him about other things, he's fine. But if you want to talk to him about him, that's why he doesn't like doing post-game media stuff. And, you know, it's a matter of they just – they aren't that fond of talking about themselves, so getting them to do so is not easy. Yeah. Um, so hopefully I, at some point in time here in the next 24 hours or so, I'll get a t- chance to talk to Javen and – uh and get his thoughts on why he picked Cincinnati as well. Okay. So, so, the, so those five fellows are in Jennifer Broom, Brooks, Osemi, and Logan Johnson are out. So what is that? Oh, and also, well, not for this year, but for next year, the seven footer from NKU, Chris vote. Um, yes. He's not, he's not going to get a waiver to play this year. So hence the, the Jay Soroya insertion into the rotation. Um, so, so a few things here, Chad, like what, what does this mean for this team? Um, Presumably a lot more Mamadou than last year. Um, uh, a lot of four-guard lineups, uh, less rim protection, less offensive rebound, and potentially a faster pace. That, that's kind of just just on the surface. Those are some things. Does anything else come to mind um, based on this mix of players? I mean, not really. It's Obviously, it's a team that has been uh, as much as possible uh, molded into, you know, what John Brandon foresees as the future of Cincinnati basketball. Um, obviously, that is going to change as he gets an entire roster full of his guys. Uh, but I, I think we've gotten a peek into that, especially on the wing, the like guard wing type guys that they're going to be looking for between Micah, San, uh, Micah Adams-Woods and uh, Jeremiah Davenport. Um, you know, long can get to the rim, good passers, uh, guys that play hard, guys that have a little versatility, 
you know, I, I think you get a good feel for that with, with the additions that have been made. Um, in, in terms of this year, I think to me what it means is you're, you're talented enough to expect to be a tournament team. Yes. You know, that's, but therein lies the challenge of that because you're going to have to get this team to gel pretty fast. Um, you know, you're looking at Ohio State to open the season. You're going to Xavier. You've got Tennessee coming here. Um, you've got UNLV coming here. You're you're dealing with Iowa in Chicago. Um, and we saw how that was a test for Cincinnati uh, not too long ago. So if you can get things rolling early and we can, you can win two or three of those key games – you go down to the Virgin Islands, you take care of business in the Virgin Islands, and you win that tournament, which I think is the that, – that tournament is the week before Thanksgiving. So that's going to be like 10 days into the season or something along those lines. Um, so you're going to need to be playing well right out of the gate um, with with Ohio State and then the, the early season tournament. And then you get into December – and you've got, you know, some tough games in December where if you can put yourself in position to have two or three wins, uh, anything more than that would obviously be gravy. Anything one and four, oh and five, you've got a, a pretty steep uphill climb to get to the NCAA tournament. So how quickly this team gels will be key, I think – where you have the positive of that, you have a fantastic leader in Trayvon Scott at the top of your roster. And then you have kind of a lead-by-example, drag-you-by-the-bootstraps type guy in Jaron Cumberland. And Jaron Cumberland gave up a, a professional career to come back and play his senior season. Trey Scott took a big leap of faith and stayed with Cincinnati uh, when the John Brandon hire was made. He's going to expect to have a very good senior season, and I think this team will go as as far as those two can drag them, uh, especially early in the year when things are still being, you know, situated and sorted out and system is being learned and culture is being built. Um, the culture being built part, though, I think is a little bit easier because there was a really good culture established already. Um, and you had a, a group of guys that were already really close and hopefully that translates into the new guys coming in and just kind of blending in with, uh, with that culture as well. So, um, I mean, that's, that's where the expectations go. You look at this roster and you say, you know what? It has the, the, the talent to be every bit as good as, a season ago when they won 28 games. And th and that's really after everything that's happened over the past six weeks, like that's impressive. Remarkable. Yeah, it is. And, and starting with Ohio state is great. I mean, you're going to learn a lot about the, these guys are going to learn a lot about each other, the coaching, the coaches, the players, everybody, you know, starting on the road against them. So, you know, you, it's not like you have to, you know, wait and see, and then you have, you have to like gear up for a couple couple three chances in December like you go right into it and find out what you got yeah so that that allows the coaching staff to to figure out their you know um the best way for them to play yeah so really 
I mean, if you're a Bearcat fan, you got to be excited. It's like, it's, you know, here you go. You got Cumberland still and, and Trayvon and Keith and, you know, Cumberland's cousin. And I mean, of course, Jay Soroya. And how can you not be pumped about that? And then, um, so I guess the only other you're thing really, work. I know, uh, the only other thing really on my mind, at least is just, um, I don't know what you can really say or, but like, what's your early outlook for the, the 2020 class? Cause really that's going to potentially make or break, you know, how well Brandon does at Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, they're, 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 they're trying to get a jump start on that right now. They've got a, a talented point guard on campus for an official visit as we speak, uh, that runs through tomorrow and Mike Saunders jr. Uh, originally from the Indianapolis area is now at a prep school in Utah. Um, if they can get that done, uh, you have to think you're starting to feel pretty good about the direction that you're headed in in 2020. Um, they also have a unofficial visitor on campus today by the name of Trey Galloway, who is a talented kind of uh, Swiss Army knife type uh, wing at right in the you know six four six five range. Not a, a an okay shooter, not a knockdown shooter, but a big-time athlete and one of those guys that really loves getting after it on the defensive end. Um, Good. I know you're you're a big fan of that. Um, so, you know, and then the, there's another uh, kid that's supposed to be coming in, I believe, next week. We'll, we'll have more on that as uh, we get closer. But another kid from Indiana whose name's Anthony Leal, uh, who they just offered. And then last week they had Zach Loveday, who is a top 50 uh, center seven-footer from uh, out of Gallipolis, Ohio, who is at uh, Huntington Prep in Huntington, West Virginia. Um, you know, th- those three guys, Galloway, uh, Loveday, and, and Leal, are going to be obviously rather challenging to make happen just because they're so heavily recruited. The problem with uh, Galloway and Leal is – they are both Indianapolis kids that are being recruited hard by Indiana. And that makes it a little difficult. So, um, but they're, they're swinging pretty hard and they know, you know, not, you've got three grad transfers and two seniors. So you're going to have five spots for that, that 2020 class. I would assume because of all the experience you're leaving, losing, uh, you might want to, to hold one or two of those spots for grad transfers um, in the following spring. But I would look for at least, you know, them to try to add three uh, high school players as high level as they could get. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll be tracking uh, exactly how that works. It would be great for them to start off with Saunders. Uh, I know, the biggest um, feather in his cap was at the uh, the national prep school tournament or the national high school tournament that was on ESPN uh, right around the time of the Final Four. And Mike Saunders went toe-to-toe with a kid named Cole Anthony. Yeah, heard of that kid. And, uh, you, you, you know, you might have heard of his dad. Dad's pretty famous. And then Cole For Anthony. a number of reasons. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, for my money, I thought Cole Anthony was the best player in the 2019 class. Um, so to see, you know, a guy that you're recruiting and Mike Saunders go toe-to-toe with him uh, and really give him fits, 
I think that has to make you pretty excited about Mike Saunders and his potential as a as a future. You know, if they can get this done, if they can can secure a commitment, uh, a potential future Cincinnati Bearcat. So that's kind of where things are at right now for 2020. Uh, we'll get a better idea. Coaches are back out on the road a couple times in June and then out on the road uh, in July for the big AAU weekend with Peach Jam and the Under Armour Finals and the Adidas Finals. And uh, there's an event in Atlanta. Um, there's going to be like 36 courts in one place. Good Lord. Yeah, I think it's in the Atlanta Civic Center. Um, a guy named Justin Young, who used to be a national scout, now runs uh, a, it's called Hoop Scene, uh, based out of Atlanta. And they are running a massive, massive tournament uh, while coaches are out on the road early in July. Like I said, 36 courts under one roof. I would not want to try to navigate that. No, that is sensory overload, brother. Yeah. That is sensory overload. Hopefully I'll I'll have a reason to go to Under Armour and spend quite a bit of time watching Mike Saunders uh, to, to work up some evaluations for the members of Bearcat Journal. So that's that's kind of where we're at looking forward to 2020. And then you would expect by the time 2021 rolls around that this team will uh, will be boots on the ground, flying full speed ahead. With Mamadou Diara <laughs> as the number one option. Yeah. You're what, real quick, before we go, just – All right. On him, on on Mamadou, I think I just because he's again he's the most tantalizing prospect as far as any of the young guys. Now I, I know, um, you know Prince Gilliam Toyambi. He's a guy that uh, has some potential too. But Mamadou at six nine, six ten with that length, that shooting touch, um, showed a couple flashes down the stretch last year. I mean, like what what can we really expect from him this year? I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a matter of how quickly he can adapt to John Brandon's system. Yeah. You know, I, I wish I had a, a concrete answer for that, but I really don't because it's all up to him. It's all up to – it's a matter of when does the game start slowing down for him. Yeah, when, does when it does, start, he will yeah. dunk a lot. <laughs> well, he'll he'll make a lot of plays. Yeah. He, he's got a great mid-range jump shot. He's got range – out to three he's got great length he, like he has all of the tools the question is when is he able to put them all together and you know i i think they were starting to get there under mick cronin it'll be a matter of seeing how they continue to develop under john brannon um yeah so the point it, is is that you can't as much as it seems like he's kind of next man up and there's no brooks and and all this stuff like He's still. You're gonna. Have, I mean, he's just. There's gonna need to be some patience with him, right? If you're a fan, it's just obviously you want him to step right in and average 15 and block every shot and all this. But he's gonna be up and down. Um, but I think there's. I think there's the potential for him to um, to play an important role, especially because he'll get. He'll because he'll get. He'll get an extended look. I mean, there's yeah. not, There's not a lot of bodies in this position this time. So. No, you're right, and and we saw he passed. Elias Semi at the end of last year, exactly, and moved his way up the depth chart in that fashion. So that's a good sign. So yeah, he's he's got a chance. It's it's going to be up to him. Before we go, Berg, this podcast was brought to you by Trace Pountas Coffee, fresh roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. Our coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans 
has the roast date clearly printed on it so you know that your coffee is absolutely fresh. You can find out about Trace Pountas coffee in this easy way. You go to their website, www.tracepountas.com slash coffee. T-R-E-S-P-O-N-T-A-S dot com slash coffee. All coffee orders are roasted fresh and shipped out immediately. They come in 12-ounce bags of either whole bean or ground coffee. You can also get K-Cups. You choose between light, medium, dark, and French roast. Or even easier, you can buy Trace Pound Test Coffee. Eh, We don't worry about that. You can't. Let's scratch that. I didn't say that. On the Trace Pound Test website, you sign up for a coffee subscription and get freshly roasted beans sent out to you every one, two, or four weeks. That's your choice. We are on the two-week plan. It works great. <clears throat> when you sign up for a coffee subscription, you save 10% of, off every bag of coffee. But listeners of the BCJ podcast can get an extra 10% off by using the code BEARCATS at checkout when buying a coffee subscription. And that means you get not just 20% off your first order, but you get 20% off every bag of coffee in your subscription with this code. And you enter the code at checkout. I don't think we made that. Uh, we've made that a big enough. Emphasis. That's a hot code right there. That's hot. The code Bearcats. It's not. T- it's not twenty percent off your first order of coffee. It is twenty percent off every bag of coffee in your subscription with the code Bearcats. So, Strong. This was a uh, a full baseball podcast. Uh, I've posted on uh, my Twitter. If you want to go listen to my uh, my fill-in job on Mo's show, there's a lot of talk about the baseball team uh, and what they were able to accomplish this week in the, uh, the the NCAA tournament, going out to Corvallis, knocking off the defending national champions in their first game on Friday night. Um, the, their first, Berg, it was their first time in the NCAA tournament since before the term the Big Red Machine existed. I was just going to ask you that because I didn't. I didn't know. Wow. 60s? The last time, the no, the last time was 1974. Okay. And the Big Red Machine didn't become the Big Red Machine until 75 and 76 when they won back to back World Series. So since before there was a Big Red Machine, and they went out and they they played really well. They were able to knock off the defending national champs. Unfortunately, uh, couldn't take down Michigan or Creighton, but. Nothing to be ashamed of. Great run for the baseball Bearcats. And uh, football camps are starting up. There will be another one this coming Saturday. Uh, two official back-to-back official visit weekends for the football team. So our new guy, Brent Young, uh, will be uh, all over that on the football recruiting side. Best wishes to uh, Shane Kenny. I don't know if you saw that or not. Shane is gone. Well, I did, but I don't know where he went. He uh, He's working in the recruiting department at Toledo. So okay. he's actually working uh, on the football staff at Toledo. Uh, he starts his oh, see, freshman year. Now? Yeah, he just graduated high school. He starts his freshman year at Toledo this fall. Yeah, because I think he, what was he, like 11 when he started at Bearcatcher? <laughs> uh, it's like 14 or 15, right around there. He, he was a young yeah. pup, that's for sure. Ambitious ambitious feller, that's yeah, for he, sure. He did a great job for us for a couple of years. Um, so uh, happy to see Shane moving on and, and getting into the world that he wanted. Uh, on the coaching side of things. Uh, but, you know, got to move on. Onward and upward. It's uh, 
next man in here at Bearcat Journal, and that next man is Brent Young, <clears throat> and he will be taking care of you in terms of your football recruiting news. Well, Berg, thank you, my friend, for joining us. It was great to get a chance to talk to you again. Uh, you'll be back in the landscaping business. Uh, I let Justin Williams know if you see him uh, <laughs> that I told him that told you that he is in need of some landscaping work. And I attempted to get him a bear cow discount, but you don't really operate that way. <laughs> yeah. He, he, know, he knows where to find me. All He's right. Listening. All but right. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I appreciate you uh, keeping me updated while I'm, uh, you know, pretty much locked into what I'm doing, but it's good when you, you and you get the bear, I get the personal bear, Bearcat Journal bat signal uh, phone call last night at about uh, 11. I don't know what time it was, but it was late, but I appreciate it. Uh, how about this? So um, this is a great story before we get out of here. So I am at the Holy Grail on uh, on Friday night watching the game with Mo. And uh, a friend of ours from the local media was hanging around, uh, and he had some friends there. And one of the friends was a female and she said, you know, that Bearcat signal has caused some serious distress in my relationship with my husband. Because as soon as you post that on Twitter, I lose him for the next hour <laughs> in a group chat with his friends. Yeah, I bet you that he's not the only one. So we were, we were joking around and laughing about it. Uh and I got, he was home. They have a newborn. So he was home with the baby while she was out with friends. Um, one of the first times she had gotten to go out since the birth of the baby. So I said, you know what? <clears throat> Let's mess with him. Give me his phone number. She gave me his phone number. And I texted him the Bearcat signal. <laughs> and sure enough, the, the, the test was, would he contact his wife first? Or would he contact my, I'll go ahead and say it's Brandon Seho from Channel 5. Would he contact Seho in the group chat first? That the Bearcat signal had just popped up, it slid into his text messages. And he texted the group chat first because he had to talk to his boys that he thought he was getting some scoop from me at the bar. <laughs> uh, and then and then Seho sent him a picture of me smiling and his wife looking at him like, when I get home, you're in for it. It was pretty funny. It was a pretty funny story from Friday night. Um, if you can, if you if you saw the picture that Mo put out, you could tell that I was having a pretty good time. I don't get to uh, go out. I don't get to go out a lot these days. So yeah, I hear you. I did. Uh, I did not see it. Is it on Twitter or something? Oh yeah, I was. I yeah, was, I don't. I haven't looked at Twitter in quite uh, only maybe once and twice in the past four months. But yeah, I, I maybe I, maybe you need to send me that. Yeah, we'll see. It's it's kind of incriminating. I, I was. <laughs> I was feeling good. I was feeling good, Berg. I was feeling good. It's all right. right. Nothing wrong with that. As my daughter said to me on Saturday, Daddy, were you drunk last night? No. Don't worry about it, kid. (laughs) You were at somebody else's house, and I was out being an adult. Leave me alone. Yeah. All right, man. That's uh, that's what we got. That's uh, everything, all the happenings over the past couple weeks, the additions to the roster, what things are going to look like as we head towards 2019 and it looks a lot uh 
a looks lot more fun. refreshing now. Looks it, looks, fun. it looks fun now that we've gotten through the hard part. Exactly. The, the waiting, as Tom Petty once said, is the hardest part. The waiting is over. We know what the roster looks like. And uh, hopefully you know a little bit more, feel a little bit more informed after listening to me and Berg break it down for you. All right, buddy. Um, I don't know that we'll need another basketball podcast here for a little while. Uh, but if things pop up, I will be in touch and we will find a way to get back on the air and give the people what they want, as Jalen Rose notoriously says at the start of every show. I'm, no a, big Jalen, I'm a big Jalen and Jacoby guy. Me too. Jalen's so, my guy. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I, I, exactly. I appreciate you having me. And uh, Bearcat Journal Nation, will, you know, I'll be in touch when I can be. But I appreciate you, your patience and your support. Yeah, and you're busy now. The little one's walking. That's right. Good luck. That with is that. correct. Thank you. Good luck with that. Like I said, like I said when we talked off the air, get back to me when she starts really climbing. And uh, you said, oh, this hadn't been too bad. She's just walking, and it's nice. Yeah, climbing is the stage where it gets. Uh, that's where it gets gets a little out of hand. It's like <laughs> get your butt down as they try to climb anything and everything that they can. Once and then they, they think one, it's funny. They think yeah, it's a game. Yeah. Once I, they can she's get already that, doing that. Once she can get that first leg up onto something is when they really the, the climbing starts to take off. So that's next for you. Cool. All right, my man. I will talk to you soon. Have a good yes, uh have a good summer. Uh get it. I'm sure you got a great tan from being out doing the landscaping. Well the, the farmer's tan. The farmer's yeah, tan, sure. of course. Yeah. yeah. You should just rock it, Bird. Go go shirtless. I do sometimes, but not you know <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you soon, brother. Yep. He's Justin Berg. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com.